Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org, to donate. Thank you. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. One of the hardest funerals I've ever had to do was for a young man, a teenager, who had been disabled all his life, mentally, physically, deprived of oxygen, they thought, when he was younger. And finally, after a number of frustrating times and health issues, went to be with the Lord. And I remember thinking, as I'm looking at him there, perhaps mom was okay with this. I'm not saying perfectly, not to be crass, but perhaps it was relief. Because now the suffering is over, he's with Jesus, and, and she can go on. It took up a lot of her time. She worked Actually, had a job in the special needs area of the school with Julie. Dedicated her whole life. But at the church, and as I visited her earlier, she was just absolutely busted up. Broken hearted. Because she treated this boy and all his disabilities as her son because he was. And there's no difference between her grief and love than any, what we call healthy. In fact, I remember, oh, and I see this time and time again, this sort of like, she knew what he was thinking, what he wanted. I saw this weak, disabled, disfigured person. That was her son. That was her boy. And at value, no different than anybody. And then in the funeral, <laughs> I'm there and... and his friends from his class were there sitting up front <laughs> and their feet are just moving back and forth and they're just moving their bodies making strange noises and you're like barely paying attention just, just, you could always hear noise over there while I'm going through the, the service and it was then that it really dawned on me as I looked at them, that they are us. There's no difference. With all their disabilities, with all their mental illness, and the low IQs, and all the challenges, those are us, you see. Just like that mom realized. They're fully human beings. And where they, quite frankly, not really much different than us in their disabilities. They had public disabilities that were obvious, but come on, look at you and the decisions you've made in life. Brainless, almost, it might feel. And how you've hurt others, what the things you have done. We are disabled too. 
We look just as silly in our lives, though we might dress a little better, or we can dress ourselves with our iPhones and all our stuff. When you look at someone disfigured and you look at someone disabled and you look at someone who has got a tiny IQ, you're looking at you. And sometimes I wonder when God looks down at us if he can even tell the difference between who is disabled and who is not. And it was just... couple weeks later that I had my hardest funeral of my own son who had Down syndrome. Paul says, consider your calling, geniuses. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, you don't even see them, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you, not because of you, because of him, you are now in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord only. Paul writes this to this church in Corinth because he had to remind them of who they were. They thought they were able and brilliant. In fact, it seems like they thought since they became a Christian, they are now elevated spiritually. They are sort of like supermensch. Could do what some even thought they were above the law. What happens when you start thinking you're something else and great and have all these powers? They actually, some of them didn't believe in the resurrection. They thought they were living their best life now. And when you start really thinking highly about yourself, divisions occur and you start looking down on others. And so they did. And they divided. And some argued, I'm following Paul. I'm following Peter. I'm on this really great path. And even in front of that Holy Communion, the rich and the mighty and the powerful, they had communion first. And then the poor, they will come and have the leftovers They had thought somehow that God loved them because they were strong and they were mighty and they were good. And Paul had to remind them, didn't he? He says this too. Where's the one who's the wise? Where's the geniuses around here of this world? Where's the experts in Holy Scriptures even, the law? Because Paul, Paul's talking to a community that's both Jewish and Gentile. So he spreads this around, right? Who's the genius, the one that knows the Bible back and forward? Who's the person that knows Plato and Socrates and is just the wisest of all of you? Where's the debater of the age? Where is he? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And then he says this, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Nobody was there when Jesus was born. 
Where were they? It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which is really insane if you think about it. A stumbling block to the Jews because it's a sign of weakness and stupidity to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul is basically saying, with all your iPhones and all your technology and all your brilliance and your aqueducts, you Romans, and the great Caesar and his amazing military campaigns, nobody saw God come into the world as he slipped in a manger as a baby pooping his diapers outside of Jerusalem to some poor uh, proletariat couple. And nobody saw God as he hung around hiding among the poor and the weak and the nobodies. And nobody saw God walking with the public sinners. No one thought to look for him there with all your genius. And no one saw him when he did the most foolish thing ever. I mean, it's really the dumbest thing you could do if you think about it in your own relationships. When he took the cross, and he walked up the hill as people that he loved mocked him, and yet he still climbed. Foolish love. As he went to the top and let himself be hung on it, as they said, if you're the son of God, come on down. He declined and stayed there. How dumb. What a fool God looked, just like that friend that you know, I'm sure you do, or maybe you're this person that goes out of their way for this other opposite sex that your friends are saying she'll never or he'll never love you, or she's terrible, she's dating somebody else, and yet he makes a fool out of himself to win her over. That was God on the cross, crazy in love for you, that he took the risk of laying it all on the line. Became a fool for you. And there won you. What a foolish love. What a spectacle he made out of himself, high and extended between two other sinners for us. That is the wisdom of God a broken body on a cross. But it is that that has won you over, hasn't it? It is that cross, as Paul says, we preach Christ and him crucified. That is the depth in the heart of the love of God that he would forgive and save you without any cost to you, but all fully paid for by himself. How insane, but that is it. And nobody saw it coming. Not the Pharisees or the Sadducees, not Plato or Socrates, not Caesar. Not us. 
and no one would have asked for it. That's the foolishness of God. It's wiser than our greatest wisdom. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul tells us, wants to remind us, hey, who were you? He knocks us down some. You're a nobody. You're no better than those that say you're just as smart as so-and-so in special ed class when it really comes down to it, and you're just as righteous as that guy in prison. But Paul knocks us down, and I'm saying this now, that you're no better than they are, not to leave you there. Although, it's helpful to be reminded once in a while where you came from so you don't become like those Corinthians. So you treat others a little better as other beggars just like you that are absolutely in need of God's grace. It's healthy to be reminded of that. But chiefly, the wonderful thing about learning that you aren't that smart, you're not that strong, and you are a sinner like anybody else. is to be free of having to pretend you're something else. Living in the light means living and being honest with yourself. It's okay. You don't have to be the strongest or the mightiest or the strongest or the biggest or the tallest or the wisest. You can let go of that dream because you're not. You can totally just relax and enjoy God's power and God's might and his love and his forgiveness. As Paul says, he is our righteousness. He is our redemption. He's our sanctification. He's not our helper. He is everything. And he's given it all to you. And therefore, it's all right to be weak. And it's okay to be a sinner. It's all right to be honest with yourself and show God your faults and others. Because he has died and risen for you. It's okay. It's okay to be disabled and disfigured because he is our righteousness and he will raise us up on the last day. We preach at St. James, Christ and him crucified. In Jesus' name, amen.